Well, Brenda and I haven't been here for three weeks at church. We were trying to hold out. We thought we would be COVID-free maybe forever, but it didn't work out that way. We, we got sick, and God blessed us by getting sick together. Uh, so usually when I'm sick, maybe not a blessing, but usually, usually when I'm sick by myself, I drive Brenda crazy because I tend to whine a lot. I just walk out around the house going, I feel so sick. What's wrong with me? And after a few days of that, Brenda's like, will you stop whining? So this time we were both just walk, you know, walking around the house going, I feel so sick. Me too. Um, but it's great to be back. It's great to be part of a church where you feel missed. When you're not here, I got a lot of texts, and um, we miss you guys. We hope you get better. And it's great to be part of a church where you miss people when you're not there. Um, I mean, it's cool to watch it on YouTube, but it's sort of like, man, there's nothing that replaces seeing faces and talking Mm -hmm. to people in person Mm -hmm. and getting hugs and physical contact. And and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, You know, our theme for the year, which is... Great theme, and it comes right from Jesus, Matthew 22. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love each other, your neighbor, as yourself. That's our theme. And I wanted to get a little bit more specific what that means, what that looks like. Um, and some of the things I might say might you might feel challenged by, but I'm going to give you five words, five secret words in the Bible. Secret. I say secret. I mean, they're in there for everyone to see. For 30 years, I just passed over these words. I never really acknowledged them. I never really saw them. It's in Hebrews 11. This is kind of a warm-up, so you're ready for what I'm going to talk about. Come on, Steve, share it. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, is, the whole chapter is about faith and the heroes of the faith. But in, in verse 32, it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of, mouths of lions, Quench the flurry of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Do you see the five words? The five words are that stuck out to me that I've always passed over all these years, whose weakness was turned to strength. Isn't that odd? To be in the, in the midst of that list, to, to me it is. It seems a little bit odd. I, um, it's, it's just the greatest feats of these men of faith. And if you keep reading, it goes on to the suffering they had and the persecution mm-hmm. and the pain they felt and went through because of their faith. But in the middle of that, their weaknesses turned to strength. And I thought about my own life, you know, weakness to strength. You know, this week when I was thinking about this, I'm like, man, that would make a good tattoo. 
like weakness to strength. I don't have any tattoos, but if I got one, I'm like, that would be pretty good. Weakness to strength. But I think that is an amazing five words in the Bible. Because I, I don't know if you guys experience this, but as I get older, you know, when I was younger, in my 20s is when I became a Christian, anything was possible. You know, we hanging around other 20-year-olds, we were just like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, I'm going to be a preacher, I'm going to be, I'm going to go to this country, I'm going to, you know, and it didn't matter if you had trouble speaking or you were a shy person, it was, no, God can do it, God can do it, I, I believe. And now as an older person, I feel like a lot of us, me included, we, we kind of like, we're settled in our ways, you know what, I hear a lot of stuff like, well, that's not my strength. Well, that's not my gift. Well, I'm this way. This is the way I am. And, and I think these words are powerful because weakness turn to strength. I don't want to let go of that. I'm 55. I don't know if you can tell from, from where you are. I, I have hearing aids. I got them in the last three weeks. Uh, miracle there. <laughs> it's a miracle. I can hear. I can hear Jeanette. That, that was the joke on the way up because out of everyone here, Jeanette's the one that I'm like I have the hardest time hearing because she speaks softly. And, I mean, I um, do. Too. What's that? Um, so I, I wanted to I wanted to start with that and. When, when, I, when, I, when I speak today about different points and stuff like that, if you're having trouble with what I'm saying or, or, or you find yourself thinking, that's not the way I am, that, I'm not good at that, um, say to yourself, weakness turn to strength. All right. God can do it. God can do it. When we, we have to reclaim that faith that God can do anything in our lives. Even if we're like 100 years old, God can turn weaknesses into strength. Yep. So that's the warm-up for the uh, for the la- for the sermon this morning. Um, okay, thank you. Good warm-up, bro. That's good. All right. Uh, John thirteen thirty-four and thirty-five. All right. I think the Bible's amazing because you always find stuff that's like. Even after 30 years, it just kind of moves you. John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And if, if you read this you know, word by word, I love it because it says, as I have loved you, this is Jesus speaking, so you must love one another. The standard is how Jesus loves people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say you just got to try harder. He doesn't say you just, you know, do your best. He's like, as I have loved, so you must love other people. It's challenging, right? Yeah. And we're going to look at some of the ways Jesus loved people. And um, the title of the sermon is Weakness to Strength, All the Love Languages of Jesus. Have you guys heard of the five love languages? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I I, I was really psyched about this whole sermon. And then last night, a friend is like, what are you going to preach on? And I said, the five love languages of Jesus. She's like, is that a good idea? And I was just like, oh, 
I got a little bit insecure, and she's like, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> and then I called my youngest daughter up, and I'm like, I'm preaching tomorrow. And she's like, what are you preaching on, Dad? I'm like, I'm doing the five love languages of Jesus. And she starts cracking up, just laughing hysterically. She's like, that's really funny. What are you really doing it on? <laughs> I got I was right to, ready to go to bed, and I got so insecure. I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe this is stupid. Maybe, But... I'm going to do it anyways because it moved me. So. All right. Let's hear it, bro. <laughs> give, us, so, give us the five you got. Before I get to the five, I want to say, uh, make this point. To love like Jesus, we need to ask questions. Mm. Did you know Jesus, and I have them all written, like printed out, Jesus asked 327 questions in the Gospels. <laughs> 327. They're all listed on all these pages. Wow. I was kind of amazed by that. Um, and I went, and I, I kind of was curious, you know, what, what are the most like common questions that guys ask? Hey, what's up? <laughs> right? Yeah. Jesus doesn't ask that. That's not one of the 327. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Jesus doesn't say that. I, I, I mean, maybe I didn't find it, but he does His questions, all 327, are very specific. Now, what are some. Now, I don't know if this strikes you as odd, but God, Jesus, God in the flesh, knowing everything, why would he ask so many questions? Even in Genesis, like Adam and Eve, they ate the apple, God comes into the garden and asks four questions in a row. Where are you guys? What did you do? Who told you this? Something like that. I'm, and it always struck me as weird. I'm like, he's God. He, he must know they ate the apple. Like, what's with the questions? Why did Jesus ask so many questions? If he could look at Larry and know what Larry was thinking, why would he ask Larry, what are you thinking? Yeah, leave me out of this. <laughs> you guys have any thoughts on that? Why Why do you think? What's the purpose of questions? Yeah, you want to draw people out, I feel. Yeah. You really wanted to, to get them to have deeper conversation than just agreeing. Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts? I think well, I didn't know what Larry was thinking on what, what he was thinking in us, though. He said, maybe the rabbi, right, the teach, you kind of mm-hmm. understand, what, what do I know to, to be able to teach you? Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wanting to think, right? Just yep. Yeah. I'm just saying, me sometimes I don't even know what I'm Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it makes us stop. Yeah, really, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, those of us that teach know this. Like, a lot of times you just don't give the answer. A kid will be like, like, it's for music. They'll say, Mr. Neff, what's a B major triad? And I'll be, instead of just telling them it's B, D sharp, and F sharp. I'll say, well, you know a C major triad, right? Yeah, C, E, G. And I'll say, well, B's a half step below C. So what's what are those notes a half step? Like I'll, I'll ask questions, and then the student will go, oh, I can figure this out myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times Jesus was yeah. doing that. So here's some things I wrote down. Um, engagement. When you ask someone a question, they're, they're more engaged. They're like part of the conversation. Right. To initiate. The woman at the well, hey, can I have a drink of water? Yeah. He's initiating with the woman. To build relationships, 
um, forced those around them to think, created conversations to break down walls. You know, a lot of times when, I, I love Peter because, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to Peter, he'll ask me questions. Like I'll tell him about a tough situation or something and, and instead of just like, Steve, you should have done this or Steve, Peter would like ask a question like, what do you think is a better way you could have handled that? And now it's putting the ball in my court, right? Um, and, and when we answer the questions, we come up the answer with ourselves. We're a lot more open to it. Even right. if it's a hard answer, we're like, yeah, that's the truth. Uh, to get to the truth, that was the next one. To allow people to express their need. To encourage people to express their faith. That's what Jesus asked a lot of questions. Like, do you have the faith? Right. Do you have faith I can do this? Or he, people would come up to him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Right? He cared what they thought. Yeah. And to find out what the real issue was with the person in hell. And to me, this was convicting because I'm like, how many of these kinds of questions do I ask you guys? Do I ask those around me? Especially the guys, you know, I think we can just, you know, come up, hey, how's it going? Good, how's it going for you? Yeah, good, yeah. That's about, a lot of times, that's the depth of our questions. I want to become more like Jesus, don't you? And like, ask some great questions to each other. Because you can't love without questions. Questions is communication, right? Now look around this room right here, the, the, the Burlington Church of Christ. Let me ask you these questions and think about them. As you look around the room at each person, what does each one of us believe? Do we know? What do each of us have faith in? What do each of us in this room lack faith in? What do each of us want Jesus to do for us? What do each of us dream of doing for God? What hurts and pains do each of us hold on to? That's an important one. And we should know that about a a family... A, a spiritual family like this size, you know, it's not like we're thousands of people. We're a small group of devoted Christ followers. These are questions that we should know about each other. <clears throat> what walls do each of us have up around us? What are we each struggling with this last week? Answers to those questions are important in knowing each other. What vital knowledge, faith, or wisdom does the person next to you have that you desperately need in your own life? Right? I guarantee there's people in this room that know things that you desperately need to know from their life experience, from their wisdom. But we have to ask the questions. Which of us need help so desperately if only someone would reach out and ask questions. So I, I, I give you all these, and if you think, if you feel overwhelmed by some of these, or what do you what do you need to think, say in your mind? Weakness to strength. With God, weakness to strength. Some of you might feel uncomfortable talking to someone about their hurts and their pains. In your mind, think weakness. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I don't want to ask those questions. But God can turn this uncomfortability and fear into strength. 
and I can ask the questions and talk and converse. Point two, to love like Jesus, we need to love others how they need to be loved, not how we think they should be loved. And this has to do with the love languages. And um, Steve Schock did a, a men's group in December, and he talked about our, our love languages with the men. And I went home and I thought, how does this even relate to Jesus? You know, this was a book written in this century, you know, and, and, and it's pretty modern. But I'm like, how does this relate to Jesus? So I decided the next day, like, I'm going to, like, try to figure out, did Jesus speak these love languages? Were these important to Jesus? Uh, the first one is quality time. Uh, and I, I got this quote from the book. A central aspect of quality time is togetherness. I do, need, I do not mean proximity, but focused attention. And the Hebrew, a Hebrew word that comes to mind is hineni. And I've mentioned this before. But it means here I am. But it means more than here I am. It's not like just you walking in a room and you're like, here I am. It's more than that. It means present, engaged, willing, responsive. Seven people, including Jesus, said this word to God when he called them to do something or called them to, to listen to him. It's powerful. And quality time, I think... Um, the first person I, I think of with quality time is Larry, honestly. Because since the beginning, since we came to the Burlington Church of Christ, Larry has continually reached out to me and been like, hey, you want to hang out? Want to get nachos? <laughs> you know, you want to hang out? You want to play games? You want to do something? He, he's just a, a great model for, let's get some time together. Let's hang out. Um Quality time is the first one. The second one is words of affirmation. That's my love language. Like, I, when my daughters or my wife write me a card and say, I love you, you're awesome, I just, I love it. That, like, just lights up my day. I have a, a box at home with every single card and letter I've ever gotten from my kids, from my wife. And I went through it the other day, and it lit me up just the same as when I got them. I'm just like, oh my gosh, these are awesome. Like, I love those. The third one is gifts. And my, my oldest daughter, Jillian, that's her love language. Um, and it's interesting because I, this last Christmas, she, she got amazing gifts for everyone in the family. Amazing. For me, she, she got a piece of wood and, like, wood burned or carved into the wood the trail map for Camel's Hump. It must have taken so much time, and it looked awesome. And I was like, holy cow, what a gift. Like, I, I was amazed. But you know who was most disappointed at Christmas? She was. My daughter, Jillian. Because that's her love language, and the rest of us maybe aren't so good at it, so we're like, hey, Jillian, Here's a toothbrush. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I can't remember what we gave her, but one at one point during the gift giving, she's like, "Did you even think about this? Like, did you even?" And it just kind of, kind of hurt. Like, yes, we did. We thought about it. This is the best we could do. <laughs> but it's funny how we're like that with our our love language. Acts of service. This is Brenda. You know, Brenda loves it. When I'm folding laundry, when I'm doing laundry, when I'm washing dishes, if she comes home and the house is clean, she's like, "You are the perfect husband for me." Like, that's her love language. 
physical touch. And I'm going to tell you this story. I'm not going to say which daughter, but one of my daughters, a um, couple months ago, I hadn't seen her in a while, and, and I gave her a hug, and she just started sobbing, crying. And I'm like, Jillian, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Good job. Kept it broke. I'm like, why, why are you crying? She's like, because it's been so long since I touched another person. Wow. Like, because of COVID and all that's going on, you know? And she, that hug meant so much to her. So I was curious about Jesus, and I'm going to give you some examples. And these blew me away, and they, they really um, moved me when I... Quality time. Did Jesus spend quality time with people? Oh, yeah. I wrote down some examples. Matthew 26, 20, the Last Supper. John 2, 9, hanging out at the wedding with some of his guys at the wedding. Matthew 17, 1 through 9, the Transfiguration. Luke 5, 29 through 30, hanging out in a home with tax collectors and sinners. The one um, Peter mentioned in the communion, John 21, 10 through 14, just eating fish with his guys. And he cooked. So that's acts of service, too. Like Jesus is like, come on shore, let's have some food. And he cooked for him. I think that's so cool. Uh, Gethsemane with the, with the guys, that's an intense you know, quality time with his guys. Um, let's look at Luke 10. I'm just going to look at one example for each of these. Luke 10, 38. Um, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's quality time, right? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from us. That's a perfect example of quality time and how much Jesus, how important that was to Jesus. He saw Mary at his feet just looking at every word he was saying, just invested, there, present. We need that in our fellowship, right? Not just guys saying, hey, how you doing? But quality time, like present, asking the questions, just like Jesus. And some of us might say, well, that's, that's not my talent, like hanging out, getting nachos. That's a waste of time. i got important things to do. I can't be wasting my time getting nachos. But it's, it's quality time. And I was like that a lot. When Larry first invited me for nachos, I'm like, man, i got stuff to do. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't want to be hanging out, like telling jokes and getting nachos. But then, you know, shortly after, I'm like, man, I need this. I need to just be hanging out with my friends and laughing and talking. and I need this. So, number two, words of affirmation. Did Jesus give words of affirmation? Yeah. Right? Matthew 11, 9 through 11, praise for John the Baptist. John wasn't even there, but he's like, man, John rocks. John is awesome. John the Baptist. There's been no one greater, but those in the kingdom will be. 
Luke 7, 1 through 10, praise of the centurion's faith. The centurion sent messengers and said, hey, can you heal my servant? And then he sent the messengers again and said, hey, you don't even have to come. Just say the word and my, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like astounded and amazed by this guy's faith. And he let everyone know it. He's like, wow. Mark 14, 6 through 9, praise of the woman with the perfume. The Pharisees were disgusted by this woman, and Jesus praised her. And she was right there. That's words of affirmation. Matthew 16, 18, calling Peter the rock. That's pretty cool, right? Imagine meeting Jesus, and, and Jesus is like, Joe, you're the rock of the Burlington Church of Christ. You're like, I am? <laughs> but you'd be like, okay, yeah. John 1.47, Nathaniel, a true Israelite in whom nothing is false. Praising Nathaniel, the first meeting, just pray. He doesn't even hasn't even met him, and he's praising him. Mark 5. Now this is the one that really I love this. Mark 5.24. This is the bleeding woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. So Jesus, um, okay. Yeah, verse 5, or chapter 5, 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been ble bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Why was that important to Jesus? Verse 31, You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched, you, touched me? But Jesus kept looking. This was important to Jesus, right? That's what it sounds like. He kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Those words of affirmation were important to Jesus. And he knew they were important to this woman. And the thing that strikes me, um, there are 27 healings that Jesus did in the New Testament. They're all different. I went through all of them years ago, and I'm like, I'm going to find the common thread and find like how Jesus healed all these people. They're all different. Some people he touched. Some people he didn't touch. Some people he saw. Some people he didn't even come in contact with. Some people he said, don't say anything. Some people he said, go to the... Go and say something. It, it, they were all different. And, and I thought, I couldn't make sense of it. But then I thought, it makes sense if all these miracles and healings were based on what the people needed. What did the leper need? Jesus knew that leper needed to be touched because no one has touched him for a very long time. And we need to be like that with each other. Like, 
look at each other and ask the questions and get to a point where we know what Ryan needs. We know what Katie needs. Right? We need to know that about each other. Um, and that what strikes me about this conversation with the woman is he calls her daughter. For 12 years in the Jewish society, if you're bleeding, you're ostracized. You're unclean. No one wants to be around you. Get out. Get away. No one wants to talk to you. Certainly no one had called her daughter for probably 12 years. Daughter, acceptance, love. Jesus said that to her and accepted her. And then he said, go in peace. I think that's important too because this woman was probably scared that Jesus being a rabbi was going to lay into her and say, how dare you, an unclean, bleeding woman, touch me and make me unclean. Because that's what the Pharisees would have done. But Jesus says, we're cool. You're healed. Go in peace. Isn't that cool? And be free from suffering. Now, you could argue this healing is an act of service. You could, you could argue it's a gift. Part of me is like, it's an act of service, but part of me is like, it's, it's a gift. Because she's healed for the rest of life. It's a, yeah, it's a continuing gift that she's healed, that she can think back and go, wow, I struggled with that, but now I'm healed. Next gift is acts of service, the fourth gift. Turn to John 13. I love this one, too. The washing of the disciples' feet. It was just before Passover, in verse 1. It was just before Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Man, what are, you know, Jesus knew, this is, who could, this revelation, who else could this revelation, probably no one in all of history, no, I know, no one in all of history has ever had this revelation that I just read about the Father, about the power that he had come from God and was returning to God. So it says Jesus knew this. So what's he do? What's his next step? I love this. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, serving them, washing their dirty feet. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus replied, You do not realize not what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter says, No, you shall never wash my feet. So maybe Peter's love language is not touch. That's what I thought. I'm like, you know, you ever meet someone who you ever meet someone who's like they're very touchy and they're like, uh, let me give you a hug, and you're and you're like, don't I feel uncomfortable with touch. Don't touch me. Like, <laughs> keep your distance. Um I don't know, but I, I, I thought that was funny. Like, Jesus is showing his love for his guys by service, by touch, doing something that some think is pretty gross. 
don't think my wife has ever touched my feet for 30 years. And she, she's a medical professional. Even, even if I'm like, honey, I think there's something wrong with my foot. Can you take a look? She's like, go to the doctor. Um, but Jesus did acts of service. The cooking in John 21 and the healing was an act of service. That took something out of Jesus. When the woman touched him, he felt power go out from him. I think he felt a draining all the time when he was healing people. I don't know, but it seems like he would. Even on the cross, John 19, looking down and making sure his mother was taken care of by John. Right. An act of service, like on the cross, he's looking down. Mom, I want you to be taken care of by John. And Mom, I want you to take care of John. Active service. The last one is physical touch. Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. This, I mentioned this earlier, but it says, When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. I love that. Um, I actually looked it up online. Can you get leprosy from touching? And technically, it, you, you can't usually from just one touch. But people back then thought you could. So if, if they all think it, then wow. Of course, Jesus being God was probably like, I'm not going to get leprosy, but I don't know. <laughs> he was willing to touch the man and show his love in that way, which I think he did for the man. Right. It wasn't because Jesus had, in my mm -hmm. mind, had to touch him to heal him. I think he knew what this man needed. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Um, so those are the, the five love languages that Jesus showed people. And and so what do we do with that? Right? What do we do with that? Um, Jesus healed 27 people. 13 of the 27 he touched. The other, the other 14 he didn't touch. 14 of the 27 faith is mentioned. He said to the people, your faith has healed you. The others he didn't say that. Why? I think those people needed to hear faith has healed you. Maybe they need they were words of affirmation people. Maybe they didn't believe in themselves. Maybe they maybe they thought I don't know, maybe Jesus knew if they think it's just all me healing them, they'll never rise out of this this prison that they're in. They need to believe that there's some power in their faith and in their belief. They're part of this. There are seven healings where Jesus saw a need and healed without being asked. I never realized that before looking through it. Where Jesus just saw someone and was like, I'm going to go heal that person. I think that's pretty awesome. And, and we can apply that to our own lives. Like, if we see needs in this church, in our neighborhood, do we have to be asked? Or do we as Christians go, I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to help this person. Right? <clears throat> There was one guy that didn't even know who Jesus was, and Jesus healed him. And the, and the Pharisees 
ask him, hey, who healed you? And he's like, I don't know. It was just some guy. That blows me away because I'm like, did the guy have faith? He probably didn't because he was like, I don't know who you are. That, that, I think that's cool. There's two healings where the demon-possessed person was out of their mind. So did they have faith? Probably not. But you know who had faith? The demons. <laughs> yeah. Both times the demons were like, Jesus, son of God, what do you want with me? You know, And I'm like, they were cast out. Jesus is like, be gone. Nine of these healings Jesus initiated. So these accounts of healings by Jesus are all different, all varied. What they have in common is Jesus' love. His concern, his thought, his desire to meet the person where they needed to be met and heal them the way they needed to be healed. It was about the other person. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about them. To love like Jesus is to love others in the way that best meets their needs and connects to their hearts. It's not about us. Love is not a formula. Do X, Y, Z and people will feel love. It is different for all of us. How do we find out the best way to love each other in this room as a church? We ask questions. Don't let a day go by without asking questions. The good ones, not, how you doing, bro? Like, better questions than that. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to read this last thought as we close. God is most glorified when weak people do extraordinary things through him and by his power. If you, if any of these love languages you think, well, that's not my love language. I'm not good at that. Rethink it. Say, okay, that's my weakness, but God can turn my weakness to strength. Because I think that's true. And, and part of the thing with the love language that I realized about myself, like Brenda's is acts of service. And I'm, I'm not so great at acts of service. She can attest to this. Um, and for, you know, all the years of our marriage, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to do these things because they're important to Brenda. I'm going to wash the dishes because, you know. But I never saw that as something I had to strengthen or was good at. I never saw that as my identity. I saw it as just something I was doing. And um, it's interesting because I, I watched this Tony Robbins video the other day. Brenda starts laughing. But, but um, it's something hit me that he said in passing. He, he said, um, most people don't change because they're just trying to change the, the, the outward habit or the work they're doing. They're not changing their identity from the core of who they are. Right. And that just hit me because I, I thought, and it made me think of Mark, the beginning of Mark, Mark 1, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. But here's the word that's left out of the NIV, become. I was blown away when I saw that. The, 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 the original language says, Jesus says, I will make you become fishers of men. Not just do fisher of men things, but become. Your identity will change. Um, so I, 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 for me, the weakness to strength thing, I think we need to think about not just this is my love language, this is what I'm good at, 
But look at the other ones that we're not so good at and go, how can I, with God's help, through God's power, become stronger in this for my brothers and sisters? Because I think if, if the church as a whole, the body does that, that's how we become stronger as a body and stronger as a church. And that's how we become closer. We're asking questions. We know each other. And don't you want to invite like people from the outside, from Burlington, from Vermont, into a group like that? I do. I want to invite people in and say, this is my best friend. These are my best friends. These guys are great. These women are great. Hey, meet this woman. You know, she is awesome. And I know people. I know people at that heart level. Amen? Amen. In 2023, let's stop thinking of our limitations and the little boxes we have put ourselves in that we feel so comfortable in. Our God is a God who loves to break people out of the box of comfortability and turn their weaknesses to strength. Amen. 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 Amen.